bottom of the Smash Mountain, Season 2, Episode 31, Becoming the Reason Someone Finds Melee. Welcome to the podcast. Why am I talking quietly? Because I'm inside my apartment. That's right. Instead of recording out in my car like I normally do, today I am in the apartment. And today we also have Camar. That's right. Camar representing Germany, representing Europe is here on the podcast to talk to me about all things melee and commentary and his story and you get it. So (laughs) it's super late and I'm trying to be quiet. So I'm losing my train of thought. Normally that means I have to re-record, but I'm not going to re-record. We're not doing it because I got to be quiet. I got to be not waking the children up. So please enjoy this interview with Kemar, and we'll talk about taunting after that. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right, transition. Here we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain, and today I'm so excited to be joined by Kemar, a European-based melee individual. Kemar, how you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? How are you? Oh, yes, I'm doing well. I guess we didn't talk about that before we got started with recording. I tend to skip straight to things. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I tend to skip straight to stuff instead of going with the usual, oh, hi, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my bad, but I hope that you're finding the afternoon to be awesome for you. I'm recording in the morning on my side, and over for you, it's six hours ahead or something like that, so it's a little after three for you, right? Yeah, six hours ahead, but I I woke up kind of late, so it's kind of the morning for me too. (laughs) (laughs) Is that something that you can attribute, excuse me, is that something that you attribute to how you tend to, at least according to what I can tell, you tweet often enough that I feel like it's one of those things where I sort of understand your rough schedule. You're staying up pretty Mm -hmm. late, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of... A thing also I feel like with Smash, because you have to kind of stay up later here to get enough of the discourse and, and like Twitch and tournaments and whatnot to to be able to be like, oh, okay, I understand North American Melee. And so this is a good place to start at. I want to talk about your, your origin story, and I think this will sort of build into the topic of how European individuals on that side of the world enjoy North American Melee. So... Yeah. How did you first get into Melee? What was the origin story for you like? Mm-hmm. So I first got into Melee that must have been around 2015-16. And it was one particular video that I watched. And that video was, was, about, um, was about Melee. And it kind of talked about how Melee is not uh, as rigid as other fighting games. It's more freeform in the way that you have, for example, DI, and um, with all the exploits, all the kind of glitches you have in Melee, all the things that aren't really intended to be there, but you kind of find about the game, you know, you kind of realize about the game as we grow into it. And um, that person made the comparison to like games like like speedrunning, for example, Halo or something, where you use these advanced tricks to be in a more freeform way it's kind of art you know movement in melee for example and that that kind of fascinated me and, and how somebody who's not connected to esports like that person was can kind of can kind of just get into something like this and and really adore the the game itself i thought that was fascinating so after that i watched 
the documentary. And yeah, that's that's basically how I first got um, started out with watching. So it was a probably like it sounded like a, it would 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 have been between fifteen minutes and a thirty minute video mm-hmm. at first, describing the magic of melee, and then f- going from there to finding the doc, which is a much more big time commitment. I mean, it's about yeah. four hours long, but that's about all it took. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, that's basically all it took. Like. From there on, I I started kind of. I'm a big, like history guy when it comes to melee. I I like just. I feel like I know a lot a lot of stuff about the history of 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 like the scene. Um, just from the documentary, that aspect was kind of what interested me because when I watched the the documentary, it was already uh, a bit old, you know, and I was like, okay, what else happened? Like, what else is there to find about this scene? What people are involved? What storylines are there? And so I kind of watched, like, all the clips. I watched, like, like videos of people explaining other... Like, like Turn Down for Ward has, has, for example, montages about people. You get kind of feel for the scene. And that's how I started getting... Not involved, but being like, okay, I, I kind of understand how, how this whole thing works. And so, falling more and more into the melee lore, at what point mm-hmm. do you say to yourself, I want to play this game, or I want to get involved with the community, like, more than just consuming content? It sounded like, at first, for you, it was consuming content, the good work of all the hardworking melee peoples, whether it's the players, and or the comment, mm-hmm. sorry, content creators specifically, commentary too, but you started off with, consuming and i i would say that was me as well so at what point do you say to yourself i want to get more involved yeah that was maybe a year one and a half years after where i was to a friend um like i i said to him bro i really like this game i would like to try it out but i don't want to do it alone i think that's kind of lame so we bought both uh, gamecube controllers and we bought some melee disc because i still had my wii and we started playing just for fun, and he came often. Um, he came over often, and we just played. We were, we were noobs, really. Like I knew something about the tech, but I was not invested enough in playing to like learn it. So we played like a like a casual kind of game, still with no items, but not really in the sense of I want to improve. I want to get good at this game. Just something. Okay, I can. I feel. Um, now I now I can play what these people that I watch all the time also play, so that's how I got into playing. And then later on, when when Slippy actually actually released, I was like, okay, now I can play with people who are like around my level, who can build me up with who I with whom I can I can learn the game itself. And that's when I started out. So competitively playing, that was I started out in September maybe. And how do you feel it's gone so far for you? Because you would have ramped up to the level where you say to yourself, I want to actually be competitive mm-hmm. and I want to see how far I can take my own skill and my own mentality with competing in tournaments, even if it's in an online sense. And yep. that's really cool to hear how it was specifically through the magic of Fizzy working on Project Slippy and, and then mm-hmm. anybody else who helps contribute to that project that you were able to say to yourself, oh, okay, I can actually have a bit more accessibility. It's something that a lot of people talk about. I mean, the TOEFs of the world, they all talk about how accessible the game needs to be. And I'm sort of hearing that 
come through with you and your story. But when you when you first started competing, you had kind of gotten a chance to ramp up into it as compared to watching the documentary and going to a mm-hmm. tournament two weeks later. Do you think that was helpful or did you really want to compete as soon as you saw like hype moments at the beginning? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I feel like with with many or almost all melee players, it's like I want to be on that big stage. I want to be in front of a crowd playing the game I love and like being really, really involved with all the people there. I think that's like a fascination everyone has, but I also feel like um, I also feel like competing is not as much um, a priority for me as I thought it would be. Like when I first watched these uh, the documentary hype clips, um, like good sets, like montages or something, I was like. I want to be that. I want to be the people. I want to be the people that win, you know, that win big events, that stand there with a trophy in their hand. Um, I feel like nowadays that that's not really where I'm at, and I think that's partly because, like, when I got into Slippy, um, I started building like my my little own community of people uh, in my Discord server. Um, that I started growing, and, and with these people I play all the time, and and nowadays it's just a lot about, okay, what can I do to to have more fun, to play around with the game itself, and, and like, do hype stuff, um, not so much about winning, like, I enter some term- tournaments, um, like, once a month, maybe, but really it's not about winning them, but having fun, and... And like also having that mentality aspect with the fun. And it sounds like you're taking sort of a not laid back is the wrong word. It's more of like you're approaching the game how you want to. You're not trying to approach mm-hmm. it from a pure competitor's perspective because you have experienced it enough where you thought that's not actually where I want to be experiencing melee in the context of purely competition entering in net play events every day or 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 Mm -hmm. every week and i think that's awesome because you can still find ways to enjoy the game and yes you have indeed been building a little bit of a of a following i think that you're very intentional about getting yourself out there while also not saying hey i'm like the greatest up-and-coming player you've never heard (laughs) of sort of a deal and that you still can do that it's just because of how awesome Melee is and how awesome the people around mm-hmm. it tend to be. That tends to be the case more often than not. Do you want to talk a little bit about... <laughs> Can you talk to me a little bit about your Twitter? I have been, I have been I at times amazed and also very confused by all the <laughs> tweets that, that you do. What's the... Um, what's the... What's... Oh. No, I'm forgetting the word now. Not I keep thinking of the word Genesis, but what's the the business statement or the the long and short of what you're trying to do with your Twitter, what's that for you? Yeah, so for a long time on Twitter, I've been there for like two years observing maybe Smash Twitter. And I was like, I'm really getting into all these people. Like I know also now the German scene, the European scene, I followed all these people and I want to be like, okay, I want to be involved. Like I want to talk to these people and be like, okay, I can open up Discord and have a DM with, like, 
people like Pipsqueak, for example, or people like in the German scene that I know and I look up to and I'm like, these people do crazy stuff. They're like really in there and they they know their shit. And I'm like, my my intention kind of was to, okay, I, I want to have connections in the scene. I want to have, I want to be someone, they're like, yeah, I know this person. They may not be like the greatest player or the greatest commentator ever or whatever, but they're in the scene, they're, they're a nice person and, and you can kind of talk to them and get to know them. That that was kind of my intention and that's why I I also have this this line on Twitter where I'm where I'm like um I'm I'm aiming for, for like source I'm aiming for groups, if you get me. Like there's sort of groups on Twitter, in groups, um that I know and some people in there follow me and I wanna get to know them better and that's why some tweets are aimed at some people and some tweets are aimed at others. And I think you do a really good job of diversifying who exactly you're trying to shoot for. The smaller niches, because Melee is already mm-hmm. a niche community, I would say. When when I'm when I'm saying yep. I don't want to overuse niche too much, but it's like the entire world and then you boil it down to people who enjoy video games and blah 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 down to mm-hmm. Melee that the ultimate community, for example, probably does have more people in it and that talk about it and whatever, whatever. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like that with melee people, it just tends to be, if you're there, you're there, you're loud, you're proud. You you do all that. You do all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And I think that they respond to the tweets that you're putting out or that anybody else puts out as someone who, follows you on Twitter again I'm not saying that what anything that you're posting is like super uh, horrifying where I go oh my gosh it's just more <laughs> of like wait a minute this was not directed at me this time mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh it's not a it's not a it's not a judgy thing it was more of like I think that what I'm used to seeing on Twitter is people trying to stay within one small section mm-hmm. but what you appear to be doing Camar is shooting for more than just the one small part of melee going to different characters other than fox like the fox enjoyers you go to the falcon yep. enjoyers and the puff enjoyers like all, all that kind of stuff you diversify really well yeah I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting about the person about leffen because he's so big in the fighting game community as well like recently about uh, gg's tribe uh, the official um i think discord for that game has like you can you can name search Leffen and there's like six thousand results or something. I feel like Leffen himself is so big in all he in all his games and like the scene, the fighting game community that that's not really a community, like it's really focused on different games. Like when you're fight when you're when you're a Street Fighter player you don't you you're not in the in the Mortal Kombat community. But I feel like Leffen is is like over branching he's like so big that he kind of can get all these people and i feel like that's that's something i'm not i don't want to mimic but i feel like that's fascinating well you want to make it your own and you see the value in it it's not Mm -hmm. yeah to your point it's not a mimicking thing you're just seeing that left and just it doesn't just keep the big left to one part of the internet the big left expands and goes to all parts (laughs) of the internet yeah, I I feel like that's that's an interesting thing about his character. Like 
like Mango has this thing with Ludwig, but that's also kind of limited with Smash. Um, but Leffen can really just... What's fascinating about Leffen, I feel like, is he can put out a tweet on almost anything, whatever topic it may be, and he gets responses, he gets something that he wants out of it, no matter what topic he talks about. And I feel like that's that's a cool thing to have. Like, if, <laughs> if Mango was to put out a tweet like, who can help me with this game he wanted to start? He can, of course, find someone because um, he's really big. He's like 300,000 followers or something. Like some person in it who's, who likes Smash may also like, I don't know, Dark Souls might be a professor on that. Uh, but for Leffen, he's, he's culminated all these different communities in his following that he might be able to like actually speak to a lot of people in other communities as well, and I think that's that's kind of cool. And because Melee was sort of your first foray into esports, mm-hmm. you look at Leffen, since we're talking about him, in terms of how he'll go from fighting game to fighting game in particular. And so for you, what have, has interested you about other either other fighting games or other esports games in general? Like when you think about exposing yourself to different games even if they're not the same as melee if they're like Mm -hmm. totally different what do you think about that journey for you so far have you gotten into any other games besides melee in terms of an esport i've not really gotten into different games but i feel like it's really interesting to to observe and to watch and to see kind of the differences so i follow for example um in channels on YouTube or um, of, of people on Twitter that are really involved with Street Fighter. And while I don't really understand all the terminology and the stuff that's happening there, I can I can sort of get a feeling of what's different um, from Smash compared to, to other games. And I feel like that's an interesting thing always for me, is like, What's the difference between one community, one game, one sort of sport, really? And where can we maybe improve on with with Melee? You know what I think whenever I see gameplay of a fighting game besides Melee? Mm-hmm. I just think, wow, that looks slow. <laughs> Is that just <laughs> yeah. me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally get that. I, I'm like, uh, when when when's something happening? But I feel like that's, that's yeah, really... Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's really a bias because I was a handball player for a long time for most of my life and when I watch watch soccer football uh, depending on where you come from um, I'm like this is really slow this is nothing's happening like in handball there's there's 40 uh, 40 goals in a, in a match you know in football there's maybe three I'm like why like there's nothing <laughs> happening on screen and I feel like um, we just don't really see what's what's happening we're like focused on one thing like the like the health bar and street fighter is not really moving that much like why not like in neutral for example (laughs) why is nothing happening um and i think that's just a bias that we have can we talk about football for a second the whole three goals thing i definitely understand but Mm -hmm. i think that it mostly comes down to how easy it is to drink while watching football right (laughs) I think, (laughs) yeah, I think that that, that's totally a thing. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing happening, but there's plenty happening in the stands. There's plenty happening. Yeah, exactly. Like, if I watch, 
if I watch a game of, of football, I can be on my phone, I can talk to people, I can, like, get something to drink real quick, because nothing, like, super important is gonna happen, if they're just, you know, running around in, in the middle of the field somewhere, but in handball, if you look to the side real quick, or look to talk to somebody, it's like, 10 goals, I'm like, okay, uh, so, um, I think it's more intensive for people that are, are like, into it. But while Melee is your first foray into esports in terms of that side of competition, mm -hmm. didn't you also do table tennis, like, competitively yes. as well? Yeah, so I played handball for most of my life, and then I oh, moved on. That's what that is? Table tennis no, is handball? Not, not, not everything. I played handball for most of my life, but then I... Um, must have been six years ago. Six years ago, I started table tennis, and two years ago, I started volleyball. So now I do uh, table tennis and, and volleyball. So I think that's also a reason why I'm I'm not really super focused on competition in Smash, because I have that experience from table tennis, and I know when I enjoy it and when I don't. Okay, but with the with that experience of competing in in live in person mm -hmm. do you anticipate whenever you're go able to go to an in-person melee tournament i mean i'm sure you want to be able to do that mm -hmm. at least to commentate which we'll still need to talk about that but you're hoping to eventually go to an in-person melee tournament and just sort of go from there is that correct yeah yeah i think like hmm that's the thing, because I don't have that in-person experience already in Smash. I don't know what... I can, like, I can, like, watch video footage and, and like, get a glimp. Glimpse? Is that a word? Glimpse, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A glimpse of, of how, how like, in-person events are like. But it still feels kind of, like, surreal. Like... I can't really imagine how an an in-person event actually looks like for for table tennis. I of course can like how's the setup, and what time periods are there? Like how how does a tourney happen? What organization uh, needs to take place? For melee, it's just kind of okay. This is the, this is a whole big thing that I don't yet understand. And so that's why I think. Mm part of your journey should definitely include an in-person tournament at mm -hmm. some point down the road, especially as it becomes safer to do so that maybe yep. that'll, maybe that'll continue to just prove to you how amazing an art form like, and just intangibly awesome melee is. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what I'm looking forward to as well. I've seen so many, <laughs> so many live tournaments, not, not that I was there. I mean, watched them mm -hmm. live on Twitch and to be fair to the people who are listening who are saying, well, you haven't been doing this for very long. That is true. I've just been trying mm -hmm. to follow along quietly on Twitter for about two or three years before starting mm -hmm. to specifically get involved with the community and make podcasts and stuff. But, you know, I watch live tournaments through Twitch and just get see that hype and excitement and I go boy, what it would be to go and actually yeah. experience it in person. So I'm looking forward to that myself, either through trying to compete, although I'll go 0-2, and, and then getting to watch top eight mm -hmm. and be like, okay, now this is the stuff. This is the stuff. Yeah, I feel like, and also I've I've 
to all the people that listen to this and that ha- haven't started playing, just consuming, like we too also have started out with, I can only recommend playing because it makes watching so much better. Um, when I watch SEL, for example, I watched SEL, I stand up from my my desk. I like, like, lose my shit whenever I watch. I'm like, no, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. Whereas before, of course, I had a fascination. I, I had fun watching. But if you don't play, you don't know how difficult and how exciting it also is is to to hit stuff. And that's why I can only recommend actually playing because I think that makes it so much more of a of a thing. I have yeah, I understand exactly what you mean by that. And was one of those big moments for you watching you're referring to Summit Champions League, of course, when mm-hmm. you say SCL, but when you were watching Wizzy versus Zane at like four in the morning or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a whole different thing. Um I think I actually woke up my mum because um, I shouted. I was like, "No, no, <laughs> no way!" <laughs> it was. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like that's definitely uh, that's definitely a thing. Like you can't just you can't get as much excitement from a clip that's two years old as you can from a clip that you're watching live, and you have all the knowledge or the background and actually all the all the background too in playing so you have these these aspects of okay you know the storyline um you also know how difficult it is to play and you know this is happening right now this is like wizzy is in his room right now and he's gonna just get up and shout like (laughs) with 500 decibels um i feel like that that makes it all the more engaging and so, at what point did you say to yourself in this whole process, "I would like to do commentary now, please"? Like, th- I know that's mm-hmm. something that you're you're doing as of now on a semi regular basis. So, how did that start yep. for you? Um, I feel like it was always a fun thing because that like commentary doesn't really happen in in table tennis where I'm at. It sort of happens in in volleyball, but. I'm not as much involved in watching those sports as I am in playing them. And so for Melee, I really only started to um, notice or even like get into the aspect, oh, there's there's commentary, there's people that talk about the game live. And I thought, first of all, that's, that's kind of an interesting aspect. I think that's a, when I first started getting into it, I'm like, okay, that must be really difficult doing that job. Um, and but also really fun. Mm. In the same way, um, as I kind of trace back all these these moments in the community that that are there, like hype clips, combos. Um, there's always this aspect of commentary. Like what I get excited for is I hear a sound clip from like um, from like DA West or somebody commentating and I know what clip it is. That that's what, what really gets me excited, you know? And I feel like that's where I started off from. Like I wanna be in that clip of a person doing the sickest combo at, at like grand finals. And I wanna be the person that, that points out why it's so sick. I feel like that's what makes a moment truly history. If the commentary isn't there 
or if the commentary is just bad, um, I think that doesn't really make it as much of a moment because you need the context, you need the the feel, the the like, the ambiance <laughs> of of um, of commentary, so it becomes a, a historical moment in the scene. And it, with this process of getting involved with commentary, I noticed that at least some European melee tournaments are commentated through English. I, I don't know mm-hmm. entirely. This is something that you can speak to better than me, but that seems to be the case. And mm-hmm. for the record, your English is very good. I, it's a second Thank- language, right? Yes. Right. So I guess you would have... You could talk about how how and why you learned English. I'm assuming because that's like something in Germany that's it's a, it's a it's the second national language, or yep. you learn it because hey, that's a thing for Europe and broader sense the whole world it tends mm-hmm. to be a fairly common language to speak. But I don't know. I mean, this is something you can speak to so much better than me. So please take it away about how many European tournaments tend to be if they are commentated in English, what mm-hmm. your experience has been like learning that second language? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's... Um, I feel like there's a there's a time difference there. Um, so back in the day, like two years ago, um, if, if it wasn't a major, if it wasn't a big, big regional maybe, I, I think it was mostly commentated in the home language. So... Um, if it wasn't in Sweden, it of course was commentated in Swedish. But I feel like uh, with online especially, and with the move to make the community more European in the sense that it's one European community, it's not split up different like national communities. Um, I feel like there's this there's been this move to okay, we only speak English now. That's that's the thing now. Um, that's that's really cool. Like all the events that happen every day like there's for example Swiss Melee makes has one has has a tournament called Sweeklies and it's um wait what what day is it? It is every Wednesday uh, every week and I think tournaments like these are also commentated in English just because in these Sweeklies in these Swiss Switzerland tournament uh, tournaments um there's also people like playing from Germany, playing from Spain, b- playing from England, and I feel like that's that's the move, kind of like that's how you make the community bigger. That's how you grow it, and that's how you make it more international too. But do you feel like there's something lost when it's no longer in the original, like the primary language, mm-hmm. if it's Swedish or German or French or what have you? Interesting question. Um, I feel like some of the emotion might be lost um, just because people can't uh, articulate themselves as as good as well <laughs> as well as with their home language maybe but um, I also feel like it's not as much um, like not as much is lost as maybe could be just because the whole language of Smash is in English like there's no German terms in in Smash like terminology, so I think on on like the on the on analytical side, there's not much lost because even in German you would say uh, for there, you wouldn't say uh, 
Frontattacke <laughs> or something of the sort, um, just because the terminology itself is English. But I think like emotion might be lost and also like inside jokes, maybe like a whole scene, a whole German scene might have inside jokes, might have figureheads that only like these jokes, these things only work in German and they can't really be transferred. And also the rest of the scene doesn't doesn't really get them. So I feel like that might be indeed lost with, with language. But something that comes to mind for me is is I've I've seen uh, probably like a handful of clips in my time where I'm, I follow the Philadelphia Eagles uh, American football team. So this mm-hmm. is the one with the pointy ball. Um, yep. And there's a radio station that does a Spanish broadcast of all of the games. And so whenever mm-hmm. something really big hype moment happens we hear the radio call in English or the one that's broadcasted on TV, which is also English, but a lot of Eagles fans love this Spanish commentator, or sorry, this commentator who speaks Spanish, excuse me, Mm -hmm. and we always love hearing his calls on the radio afterwards. Like someone will upload and be like, here's the call in Spanish of like this really hype (laughs) moment that happens. And even though we don't understand it, we still understand the moment of what happened. So it's almost as if maybe maybe at some point there will be some really cool clip, not that you have to be the one to do this in your own commentary, <laughs> but if something really cool and hype moment happens, it's just you just switch back to German or the person mm-hmm. who speak, maybe switch back to Italian or, or whatever language <laughs> it is. And you don't necessarily understand it as an English-speaking person or especially if you don't understand Italian. Like I am as American as it gets for the most part. I do not Mm -hmm. understand other languages, but I understand that hype and passion behind it. And I think there's Mm -hmm. a joy to that. Uh, I understand the accessibility thing and how English is probably the easiest language or, well, that's questionable, but English is is one good-ish example of a language Mm -hmm. to unite behind to make Europe just a collection of countries to a true <laughs> united united mm-hmm. uh, nations sort of a deal. I understand that too, but I think to myself it would be kind of cool for there to be I don't want to say wombo combo version of something in mm-hmm. French or in in Swedish necessarily because there will never be a moment like wombo combo itself, but just yep. hype moments that have those sort of that just has its own flavor in a different language. I think that hype still comes across, even if you don't understand the words. Mm, most definitely. Do you know that one clip of uh, Smash 4, I believe? Um, Fox is below Dreamland, and um, Fox takes like like 10 times the math upbeat and still gets back to stage. And the commentator is in, in Spanish, and... Um, he talks about uh, el segundo tech de Jesus or so, um, something of the sort, and and it's really hype because I understand Spanish a bit and I understand tech, of course, um, and just this whole emotion that is in his language, I feel like couldn't couldn't be communicated if there were slip ups or mess ups, um, that that might be there in in English. So I I definitely agree, like that that would be really cool. You know, it's been a while since I've seen that Smash 4 clip, but I probably (laughs) watched it like 10 times over when Mm -hmm. I first saw it. And you reminding me of it, and I'm going to have to go watch it again. It was Mm -hmm. really awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's really cool. Like, like I love that clip. So 
when you think about how you like to commentate yourself, normally you commentate with another person, and mm-hmm. I think you've done a lot of. I want to. I think it's the. It's, it's on a Sunday Smashdown. Yep. Is that what it is? Um, yep. Smash Beatdown. Smash Beatdown. Excuse me. So, when you've been helping out with those and commentating those, and usually commentating with somebody else, what are you thinking of while you're commentating? Are you trying to be as analytical as you can be? Are you trying to talk about where the players are from and what kind of results mm-hmm. they've had before, which is also really hard to do. It's hard to talk about melee in general in commentary yeah. style. You would know this better than me, but like, I, I'm really interested to hear what you try to think about while you're commentating melee. Mm-hmm. So I feel like um, this analytical... So that that was a question I asked myself when I first applied for a commentary job and when I first uh, first got into these commentary discords was like, what can I bring to the table? What is unique about my experience, about my knowledge maybe, that I can bring into commentary that um, that other people couldn't do as as good? Um, and I feel like that's an, that's an interesting or an important question because... Um, if you're just mimicking or, or like trying to do the, for example, Tove style or the Scar style um, commentary, um, I think that that's not as unique and not as fun for you as well as a commentator um, to have. So I thought to myself, okay, what can what can I bring to the table uniquely um, as a commentator that maybe other people can't, and. Um, Experience that I have, of course, is um, I've I've been observing the scene since quite some time, 2015, 2016. That's that's quite some time. So I can uh, draw comparisons. I can talk about okay, what do other top players, what do commentators, maybe through the times as well, think of this matchup, think of this situation. So I have that knowledge um, that maybe others, uh, especially people starting out with commentary, don't have. And I also have this aspect of that was that was maybe my yeah that was my favorite commentary. I did a commentary with uh, Wasabi. Shout out to him and friend of the program. Really, yes, wannabes. Woo woo. Mm-hmm. And we talked about um, that sort of thing where you can you can draw comparisons from table tennis to Smash, and and. That was really, really fun because only only I, well, not only I, but um, almost, almost only I can, can draw that comparison and make it so it's maybe accessible for more people. And I feel like that's a thing I want to do more. Like, like, bring more people in from different kind of sides. Like, the same way that video brought me into melee into fighting games from a speed running from a like like artistic kind of side um the same way i want to bring in maybe other people from a sports from a traditional sorts a sports kind of side where you can be like okay this hype this fascination this whole stuff carries over to smash as well so i feel like that's a thing i want to do in commentary that i want to bring to ta- to the table that's a really interesting uh, I love hearing that. That's so cool that you're thinking to yourself, how can I bring more people in? That's not something that I always think about. Of course, mm-hmm. part of 
me getting to talk to people who have been in melee for a while or who are just getting started out or or whatever the context is it's great to have those conversations and i hope that people enjoy that but mm-hmm. i don't necessarily think of it in terms of now would a new person to melee enjoy listening to me talking about it perhaps not mm-hmm. i try to not always get bogged down with talking about a asdi down and slide <laughs> off and then recovery trees like i I don't want to always talk Mm -hmm. about super technical things because i mean i'm not going to know what frame half of the attacks come out on in melee anyway Mm -hmm. because i don't know off the top of my head but i don't think that i'm like super super accessible to a newer player or a newer person who's just getting Mm -hmm. into melee but the fact that you think about that is really really cool yeah so on my Instagram story, on my Instagram, I have like 130 people following me or something. And these people are all um, IRLs, people I know from conventions or from Model UN. And I think about, okay, if I share my commentary to my Instagram story or do a post about Mayday, um, what are what is maybe an interesting aspect that they're like, okay, this is maybe something I can look into. That's maybe something... I can, I can like ask him about. Okay, uh, what what is this thing you're playing? Like, what is this scene? And um, that's why, I, even though I might not get as much viewers or like people interested, um, on my Instagram, I always share my stuff on Instagram because I I can I, I can be like okay, somebody can watch it, um, just as I did this one this one video without which I wouldn't be in the scene. Somebody can watch this this thing, this clip, this stream, whatever, and be like, this is awesome. I want to be part of this. Because all it takes is one, like you said. Yeah. And, and whatever it happens to be, you know, we take those. Uh, gaining <laughs> we take awesome those. people such as yourself, it's always going to be better than, than not giving that opportunity to somebody to get involved. That's really cool. That's so cool. I wanted to move on to more current events if that's something mm-hmm. that you feel comfortable getting into now yeah so what are your thoughts on the fact that smash europe the 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 the, the team behind the same circuit yep. had to revise the original deadline of you have this amount of tournaments under the same circuit to build up your points to possibly qualify for smash Mm -hmm. summit 11 which is being held in north america out in california leffen got the auto invite because of course but the top performing points leader for the same circuit was also going to get an invite to summit 11 it was supposed Mm -hmm. to be with fate in the end of june when the deadline would be but they actually moved it backwards to the end of may for smash sauna and pipsqueak got the invite so the only other player could have been frenzy but it seems to all have gone over well but from your perspective you're a little bit closer to all the action over there what is Mm -hmm. your been what is your perspective on that sort of happening yeah of course i um that's just that's just a quick brag Pips, Pipsqueak follows me on Twitter. <laughs> I've talked to <laughs> Okay, let's go, Cameron. Um, so it's it's kind of awesome to see him do this well, and I really, really look f- uh, like forward to what he can accomplish um, over there in California. Um, the same way, it's a bit sad for Frenzy, of course, because uh, the whole thing was done retroactively, if I if I'm not mistaken. 
so um, everyone thought they would make it like everyone thought okay um, Frenzy can still take this or somebody else can still take this um, but that's not really gonna happen and that's kind of sad but at the same time um, I feel like wh whoever it, it could have been um, doesn't really make a difference um, for like the, the grand scheme just because both players are amazing players um, at sort of the same level uh, they both really represent Europe they're both nice nice people so I, I feel like it's uh, it's gonna be a, a grand time for viewers and players alike um, even though the whole thing was moved and backwards and it just sounded like something that was sort of a culmination of how hard it is to sort of schedule out a mm -hmm. pandemic and how it is starting to give way to the vaccination era, if you will. Yep. <laughs> how people are starting to be able to come back to playing in in-person events, IRL events, I should say. Yep. As we continue to get closer to that, it's just so hard. Like when, when they announced this a I feel like a month or two ago it was a month or two ago mm -hmm. and things were different even then so it's just hard to plan all that out I'm sure but the good news is that if you feel as if that whether we're frenzy or pips week is not a significant difference in terms of who deserves to represent Europe more or mm -hmm. or deserve to go over more the, the good news for frenzy is that going to get a free flight to Yep. Uh, an in-person European major at some point down the line here. So a little bit of an opportunity to make a name for mm -hmm. himself in the future. I, I just know that it won't be the same as this incredible opportunity that Smash Summit 11 presents because this is, this is going to be hopefully the first in-person super major, it feels like, because yeah. a lot of the big players are going to be there from the North American side of things. And then, of course, with Leffen and Pipsqueak going over, hopefully with Amsa from Japan going over. Mm -hmm. This is just going to be a wild scene. Even if it's not surrounded by 3,000 people, I've always enjoyed the the Summit events anyway. They, they've been mm -hmm. top-notch in terms of the, the matches that are produced. I love the commentary couch, all that kind of stuff. I mean... Kamar, what if somebody came up to you and said, hey, we want you to go over and be on the couch with Slime and, and Squid and all those people? Like You would just be like pinching yourself because it's like Summit is one of the, mm -hmm. one of the great melee events that we, that we have on a year-to-year -year basis. Yes, I, I, love, I love Summit. And if I ever in my life got the experience to actually be there in person... That would be maybe one of one of the the most beautiful things in my life ever. Like, I look so forward to resetting my sleep schedule so it's fucked up from like a European <laughs> kind of uh, point of view to be able to watch all the matches, watch all the games, all the stuff, <laughs> um, watch the stream the whole time. Um, so I really look forward to just experience uh, um, life. Maybe I'm going to just move somewhere else so I have better internet, so I, the stream stays consistent. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love Summit. And um, I also really hope that with Pipsqueak and, and Leffen, um, 
European representation can kind of come in and, and do something beautiful there. And speaking of the sleep schedule thing, this is something that I wanted to ask you about earlier, and mm -hmm. I think we're ready to get into it now, where European people who watch North American Melee are going to have a difference of sleep schedule to a certain degree. It's, there's just no yep. way around it because you're either six hours ahead or nine hours ahead if it's yep. an event that's on the west coast of the United States, which Summit would be because it's held in California. Yep. So it's just incredible to think to me that there are a decent amount of people, yourself included, who will just straight up stay up until like four or five in the morning to be able to <laughs> catch all these things that happen live. So my question to you is, do you think that there is some degree of, <laughs> I don't want to say better than, than, uh, than the North American casuals who enjoy melee, but do you think it just takes a special, a special thing inside of yourself in order to have a super crazy sleep schedule like that in order to watch mm -hmm. melee? Yeah, I feel like that that is a sign of like extraordinary extraordinary dedication. Um, you know, you can always watch the vods um, next morning. You know, um, stay up till okay hours, watch a lot of the stream, and then um, watch stuff for, for the breakfast. Of course, you can do that. But um, as we've talked about earlier, I think it's it's a different feeling. It's a different kind of sense you have, and. Yeah, I think it's it's a different kind of dedication, therefore, that you have to show to be able to be like, okay, I can do this. It's the same way for, damn, what what is what is the name? That's kind of embarrassing. Uh, the big football tournament in the U.S., like the biggest one. What is it called? Uh, you mean okay? So we're talking pointy ball or the regular? We're talking football? pointy ball. Okay, so the playoffs, the NFL playoffs. Yes, the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl, yeah, that's that's what I wanted. Like people staying up for Super Bowl, of course, you can you can always watch it like after the fact. But a lot of people, lots of my friends as well, stay up for that, of course, because it's way more hype. It's it's a feeling you have, and it's also, of course, Twitter, of course, Discord is a, is a thing as well. So to be involved in the discourse while stuff is happening is is way cooler than being there after the fact. And so that's one reason why it would be kind of cool at some point down the line. What if it's just there's an event that's happening and you go, all right, I'm going over. Screw it. I, <laughs> I don't need a reason to, to, to be like invited to this event or anything. I'm going to mm -hmm. go to this North American offline major like a year or two from now. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to go as well. And then it's like <laughs> a, a wannabes podcast sort of a deal where JD and Wasabi are there and we've got some mm -hmm. other people you know, we got to get S'more Head there, of course, as well. Of course. And Doodle Dudester. Like, that would be super, super cool. But Yeah, that would be super sick. It would be, um, it would be hopefully something that will ha happen at some point. But I, I think about, <laughs> I think about where we are now and we're not there yet, but mm -hmm. we will get there. So my question to you is, is that something that would ever be, so if you're not invited to, a summit, which <laughs> is not going to happen as of now, but maybe it will in the future. Who knows? You you mm -hmm. do have some pretty nice fox moves that I see on the clips on Twitter, but <laughs> I wanted to ask you, like, what level of interest you would have in traveling 
to the uni- United States at any like point in the future? Like if that's something you look forward to doing or if it's just more like I want to try to visit other countries in Europe first, that kind of deal. Like mm-hmm. what do you think about when it comes to traveling? I I totally feel like I can travel, especially for Smash as well, to the US. Um, I actually talked about this to my friend who I mentioned earlier. Um, it would be awesome, like one year after our big exams, which are happening next year, that maybe we can do a whole tour. So I have so many people on, on Twitter, on Discord, that I like know through the years, like, Personally, I have like a personal connection in the sense that I can be like, I can DM them. I actually, I think I DM'd Wasabi about this. Um, where I was like, if I was to make a whole tour of, uh, on like the coasts, on the West Coast and the East Coast. And my friend and I, we just take up uh, like, a, like a truck. Um, we get a truck um and we, we drive around. Can we, like, come over? Can we stay for tourna- uh, tournaments, for, for regionals, for locals? And we're going to be there in your house for a week. <laughs> and we're going to leave again uh, to the next de- uh, destination. And, like, um, I don't know what Wasabi said. I I kind of forgot it because um, um, I asked a, a lot of people and I will ask a lot of people as well in the future. But I definitely feel like if that becomes reality, of course, money is always a factor. Of course, maybe a pandemic <laughs> is always a factor. But if that happens, it will be ultra sick. It would be an experience of a lifetime for sure. And hopefully one that you're able to like capture on film to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like you would probably just take a bunch of pictures, but I almost feel like... I almost feel like it would be so cool to see something happen in in a certain way where it's like my journey as a smasher. So it's yeah. someone who's going to either a different continent or just going around in, in their own, like somebody from Europe going around Europe or someone from America going around America or whatever the context mm-hmm. is. I mean, how cool would it be to see somebody from South America going from like uh, Brazil all the way down to... Um, Argentina that that kind of thing it'd be mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see the perspective of that in the form of eh, documentary might be a strong word because that seems like a lot of effort but <laughs> at least footage and, and like highlights mm-hmm. like that'd be you're so thinking cool of the, at, sorry, sorry go ahead of this, you're thinking of the same thing that I was thinking of like I had this exact chain of thought I was like okay if I take my friend there um, of course, for a European who's never been to the US, he's never been. And um, for somebody who's not as dedicated to Smash as I am, um, it's of course awesome um, that he can like travel. And I think it would be awesome to be like, okay, we did a like three month like travel thing. And he makes a video about, okay, I traveled all these sites, like a, like a vlog kind of thing, like maybe 30 minutes or something. Uh, being like, okay, this is this is my life traveling to the, uh, to the US, meeting all these different people that I know from online, and I can do the same thing, just focused on like, okay, a journey through the US Smash scene for for European. I think that would be super sick for like everyone in like everyone in the scene because even if you're like a Russian player, which a Russian scene very small does exist. Um. I feel like that's an awesome thing to like watch and be like, 
I'd love to see content like this because I would love to, you know, um, imagine that and also then live that. And so hopefully that is something that you'll be able to do down the road or mm-hmm. or see it from another person. Although, I mean, hey, I'm rooting for you to be that person who gets to <laughs> have that sort of experience. It would be so cool to see that from, from your own perspective, Camor. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. And to yep. get in the direction of wrapping up, I don't really yep. have a whole lot of other things that I would like to talk to you about, but I want to open the floor for you, if you will, if there's anything that's coming to your mind. Mm. I think something that's kind of on the topic of um, US-EU, um, um, a project I, I, I've started myself that's going to wrap up, as this podcast does, um, very, very soon, is the Frame 1 for Europe project, where um, I import 20 to 26. We do not know yet. We have no confirmation from the company itself. 20 to 26 um, frame one controllers and accessories of course and um, we ship them around Europe because shipping globally is very expensive and if it's only for a small item it's not really worth it um, but if you ship a whole crate of course and then ship around Europe it's it's you spend you like you like save a bunch of money so that's a thing I have and I thought that would be like kind of cool to mention there Absolutely. I wasn't sure what the status of that was because I know that's in your bio that you're running that project. But yep. I, when I checked it earlier, it, it didn't have a whole lot of follow-up tweets mm-hmm. in the first few. So this is great that I'm getting an update from you right now and that I can share this to all the listeners as well. But that's still in process then. What do you think the timeline looks like if you don't mind getting into that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing was that there was a whole a whole lot of holdup uh, on the frame one side because they had to get to all the people that bought frame ones. Uh, you still can't buy one because uh, you can't even like buy one in in advance because there's so much traffic. Like there's so many people that want to buy. So we got really lucky. We got a deal with um, the producer of of the thing of the owner of the company. And we were like, okay, we're 20 Europeans. Um, can we get some of the controllers that are maybe left behind from cancellations or something? And he was, uh, he was like, yeah, totally, that can that can happen. So we were really lucky with that. But of course, and they're going to come behind the people that actually bought controllers. And then there was also hold up on the technical side, on the shipping side for him. So stuff didn't really come for a long time. So that's why there were really follow up tweets but now we're we're looking into a good direction so the controllers um that were bought are going to be finished up this month um so in a few days they'll all be done and then our controllers are uh, on the line so we might be looking to have 20 to 26 new controllers in Europe um in about a month very exciting i mean the frame 1 controllers are obviously in high demand because of mm-hmm. what, I mean, I think that it was very well presented when they first popped up. And mm-hmm. I think that there's enough demand for the box controllers from Hacks and the Smashbox from 
Hitbox, yeah, and mm-hmm. all of that kind of like alternate controllers other than a GameCube controller, because we all know how a good GameCube controller is particularly a challenge to get a hold of. Yep. We also continue to be patient for the Panda controller to come out at some point. Mm-hmm. I guess the um, ooh, is it Samurai Panda? Oh, what is the person's name who runs Panda Global? But mm-hmm. uh, put out a post saying, hey, you can more or less blame the U.S. patent system because we're yeah. trying to patent all the technology on this controller, on this GameCube controller alternate mm-hmm. that we're making to lead us all to go, well, now what? But if you want to get a good controller, whether it's a box-style controller or a GameCube controller that has all of the fancy technology put into it by somebody, you more or less have to wait and i'm sure that it's even harder in europe you feel like you're put on the back burner to a certain extent Mm -hmm. i'm sure but to hear that there's a there's a semi-real timeline now that it's not a matter of months but a matter of weeks that is very Mm -hmm. exciting camor yeah when we're on controllers you, you can of course um at me on twitter or write me on twitter because i i follow i'm involved with lots of modders um and I know these people very well. So if you want to get a new controller, if you want something like that, I can I can always to everyone, be it internationally um, or in Europe, I can I can give recommendations to where to look. Awesome. And Kemar, where else can the people find you? Uh, you can find me at Kemarx on Twitter. That is K E M R R X. <laughs> so like the chemor but instead of all it's like marks like the philosopher i don't know why i chose that at but chemo wasn't available anymore <laughs> um and yes that's that's pretty much it of course you can also find me on discord i guess uh chemo and then um hashtag 7098 <laughs> um but yeah it's, yeah that's that's about it I'll make sure to link the, your Twitter on the description of this podcast oh, episode, but I'll leave the Discord off just because you are on so many Discords that I I <laughs> genuinely believe that it won't be hard for someone who's on Discord exclusively to, to find you. I, I really don't. You do a great <laughs> yeah. job of, of putting yourself out there, which is... Thanks. I'm, yeah, it's 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 scary because when I first started with the podcasting thing, I was like, I'm ready to put myself out there, but I still don't know if I'm ready, but I was just like, I got to do it. I got to do it. And then Mm -hmm. I look over at you and you're just like owning it. So really, really (laughs) cool. And it's been really cool to have you on. I believe the first European person who I've had on this podcast that awesome. Yes. So cool to have you on because we've, we've interacted long enough now that I was like, "I, I want you to be the first person from, from Europe, from Germany on this podcast because I, I just think it, it was meant to be. It was meant to be mm-hmm. all because of that one <laughs> video, huh? <laughs> all because of that one video, yeah. And this could be the one podcast, you know? You never know. You never know. Well, I know that this will certainly get shared very well by both of us when it does come out. Yep. So until then, thank you so much for joining me on Bottom of the Smash Mountain. Yeah, thank you for having me. And Uh, To all the listeners and uh, to you, of course, uh, have a great day. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right, transition. Now, you were listening to a great conversation between me and Kemor, but what you might not have remembered was at the start of this whole podcast episode, I was saying how quiet I have to be, and that's still true. (laughs) 
For you all, you listened to about an hour-long interview, but I'm recording my second segment, the closing segment of today's podcast episode. It's complicated, isn't it? But I'm doing that pretty quickly after recording the opening segment. Now, let's talk about taunting. (laughs) Somebody accurately pointed out on Twitter today that all the discourse related to Lanklo, and I'm referring to Acklo when I say that, doing some taunting and ruffling some feathers is a sign that maybe perhaps there's not a whole lot of things happening for Melee right now. And that doesn't necessarily feel true to me. I am on a podcasting tear. But for everybody else, a little bit of boredom perhaps, ready to talk about all these super detailed things about why taunting is either good or why it's neutral or why it's bad or why you should mind your own business, this, that, and the third. I mean, Aklo had to write a twit longer about all this at a certain point to say, hey, this is an indicator this is not an indicator, excuse me, taunting is not an indicator of who I am as a human being in the way that some of you are making it out to be and going after slime for using certain words. And it just got all kinds of complicated at certain times. And then I think now that it's 1042 EDT that we have it mostly solved, mostly figured out, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> There'll be something else to latch onto, I'm sure. The biggest news in all of this is that Aklo won a tournament last night with all link, going all link. It was over 100 people entering, had to beat several good players, including J Flex twice in grand final set one, grand final set two, and the reset. That is not an easy feat to go through a handful of ranked, you could say, even if they're not technically ranked in the 2019 ranking. Aklo is a good example of being someone who was never ranked in top 100 (laughs) himself. So that just goes to show that what I'm trying to say is that there were players in the tournament who were not just a bunch of scrubs. There we go. That's the long and short of it. They were not scrubs. They They were more than that. And Aklo still won as Link. I, I think that's a big deal. And if you don't think it's a big deal, then let's go ahead and move on. I don't really have a whole lot else to add. It's going to be mostly anticipating and looking ahead to all of these Gommel and Pound and Summit 11, all of those things that are coming up. Very excited. Oh, and the big one. Yes, can't forget the big one. I'm very excited for that as well. Oh, and Gallant Melee Open Summer Edition. All kinds of exciting things coming up this summer in Smash. So we have a lot of things that we'll have to get to, we'll have to talk about, and I'm excited to get into all that. But for tonight and for whatever time of the day that it is that you're listening to this podcast, it's a little bit of a break, a little bit of relaxation from watching tournament after tournament, set after set, If you want to continue to do that, there are still events happening every single night. But if you needed a little bit of a break from the high stakes action that SCL provided or what have you, now you're sort of getting a lull. And again, this sort of contributes to why people can argue about taunting on Twitter for eight hours straight. But all that to say, we are going to be seeing a lot of Melee events coming up here in the next month and then on from there. 
that are going to be really cool to watch, that are going to be fun to cover. I don't know how many previews and such I'll be doing, but I know who I have for that. <laughs> Wasabi and Brento, shout out. <laughs> I'm really excited to get into all this summer of, of Smash if for the first time as a podcaster. So still going strong. Got more interviews coming up. All kinds of exciting stuff like that. The YouTube is paused for now. I said this in the last episode with Dylan in the closing bit as well. And I'll say it again that the YouTube is taking a pause because I have made some adjustments to it that I'm very excited to tell you about with more details. But for the sake of holding back and saying all good things to those who wait or something or good things come to the... Well, you get it. The point is is that I have not abandoned the YouTube side of things. I have wanted to do it a certain way for a while, and I'm not going to get there 100%ly, but this is going to get me a lot closer to what I envisioned. And so I'm excited to share how that is all going to happen and what exactly that vision is. But all that to say, I can't wait to share with you. For now, got to hold back. Got to hold back the content. <laughs> So the one other thing I should talk about, okay, this is, this is something that I wanted to talk about and I forgot to make a reminder for myself. So BDE Drink Podcast gave me a very lovely shout out today on Twitter. So I wanted to give BDE Drink Podcast a shout out on my podcast. I don't know if I'll post this on Twitter. I'll probably forget to, but they gave me a shout out on Twitter. So thank you for that. I'm going to listen to the BDE Drink podcast at some point. It might be my favorite without even listening to it, but <laughs> I can't wait to actually check it out and see what's happening. Well, no, it's not seeing. Ah, I hate that, that I keep doing that. I have such a habit of saying see ya or talking about stuff like that where, come on, it's a podcast. So I can't wait to hear what the BDE drink podcast is all about. <laughs> I may come to regret recording this segment because BDE drink podcast themselves replied to me when I said, this might be my new favorite podcast. And the BDE drink said, you might want to listen to the podcast first. <laughs> so this is going to be fun. I can't wait to find out and to hear all the exciting drinks and energy drinks. So I think that's the big theme of that, of that is. All right, now I'm done. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>